What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Questions You Never Thought to Ask the Whitewater Kayaking Podcast. My name is Seth Ashworth, and before I get going on this week's informational, informative, and fun episode, I just wanted to give a quick thank you shout out to the people who support this podcast on Patreon. Patreon is a crowdfunding platform where you can chip in a couple of bucks every month and help keep the podcast going, and in return, I do my best to get the podcast up early there for Patreon listeners to hear before it goes live. I do uh, apologize. Lately, I have been a bit slow to getting uh, episodes up there, but I am endeavoring to do better, and I, uh, fingers crossed, will be doing better to close out this year. But to those people who are disappointed, I am sorry. If you want to be a part of that support, just check out patreon.com slash sethashworth. That's patreon.com slash sethashworth. Now, without any further ado, let's get going. All right, welcome back to Questions You Never Thought to Ask, the Whitewater Kayaking Podcast. This week, we are talking about a subject that is very close to the hearts of a lot of kayakers, and that is kind of uh, river protection. I've been very fortunate in my life to paddle a number of places um, that are no longer paddleable because of uh, man-made interference from from damming. Those places are either underwater or dry now, and um, I feel very fortunate to have done that, but I have not always done the best at advocating for those places and so this week we're talking with Tom Laws from SaveOurRivers.org. Um, and he's actually someone who does a, a better job than me advocating for those places. So, Tom, welcome aboard. Nice one. Thanks, Seth. Um, I've got to be honest, I was in exactly the same position as you. I uh, I paddled lots of places, saw lots of cool things um, and, and never really advocated for these for these places at all. Um, it was it was yeah something that. It never really occurred to me it'd be something that I could do. So let's take it back to the start, Tom. How did you, because you're not the only person who runs Sail Rivers, right? Do you want to give us a rundown of um, what it is that your organization does now and how that got started um, in day one? And maybe so like a broad strokes overview of what you're currently doing and then we'll go to how it got started and then work back to present day. Nice one. Um, so Save Our Rivers is um, it's an organisation that uh, gives the impression of, of being pretty big, pretty far reaching. Um, but when you when you pick it apart, it's essentially uh, myself and Dan Yates um, based in, in North Wales, although uh, Dan's out in Austria at the moment. Um, and uh, we're fighting for free flowing rivers across Europe. Um, but we we very much kind of fell into that by accident, um, really. Um kind of back in uh, I had to look up the dates actually I couldn't realize it was it was this long ago now but back late 2013 um, it kind of came to the attention of, of North Wales kayakers that the Fairy Glen section of the River Conway so kind of an iconic section section of river that actually has a county named after it so you know pretty significant river in the area um, and a real test piece for whitewater kayakers um, was under threat from a hydro scheme um, and early on in that process, I was I was really like, well, that won't happen. That's ridiculous. Um, and if it does, you know, I'm sure they'll have done some environmental work and it will be fine. It will be great. Um, and it was only really as as the process rumbled on that I realized just just how bad this this dam was going to be, how ungreen hydro is, how non-renewable rivers are as a as a resource um, and, and how we had to do something about it. Um, so kind of from there, we, um, there was a group formed, Save, Save the Conway, as we were then, 
Um, and that was a sort of ragtag group of, of kayakers, anyone who was kicking about, um, everyone who paddled the river. Um, and we started uh, doing everything. We couldn't, we didn't know what to do. Uh, so we thought, well, if we, you throw enough at the wall, some of it sticks. Uh, so we were encouraging people to log paddles. We were doing calculations to work out um, based on the, the kind of plans from the engineers, what, uh, you know, how many days of kayaking would be affected. Um, and I guess it was kind of as we went through that process that we realized there was more to more to these wild places uh, to be lost than just the recreational kayaking. Um, and as planning was submitted kind of around 2015, um, we ended up working with uh, local angling organizations, local conservation organizations, um, charities within the National Park, like Snowdonia Society, um, as well as some brands. Some brands started uh, supporting us. Um, so Patagonia and NRS have been, been kind of there from the start. Um, and uh, in 2016, um, the first planning application for the Conway was refused, um, which was then resubmitted. And then September 2016, uh, RWE withdrew it um, and uh, haven't submitted again. And so that's the uh, RWE, sorry, for I'm, I haven't been in the UK for some time, but RWE was the, the contractor who was trying to, to, to get that dam going? Yeah, sorry. So RWE a part of NPower or NPower a part of RWE. They're a big uh, multinational power company um, who they do they do all sorts of things. Um, as I was looking back, actually, through my through my notes, um, I think in 2016, which the uh, magazine voted them the worst power company uh, in Europe, which so, uh, yeah, I can I can stand by that. Um, but actually, there are a few other. Uh, kind of organizations you wouldn't expect necessarily to be involved in something so environmentally destructive. Uh, so there was a, an engineering firm um, who hang their hat on uh, eco and renewables called Dillas, who were kind of Welsh. They were local, based in mid Wales. Um, and actually, all of the land was owned by the National Trust. Um, so the National Trust were, were kind of totally complicit in this plan as well. And it, it did quite a lot. Wait, the to, National uh, Trust was like down for hydro? The, the National Trust were mad keen for it. And, unbelievable. Uh, um, at one point in Snowdonia, and I'm, I'm not sure, I haven't checked if this is up to date now, um, but certainly at one point, the National Trust uh, had literally strips of land that they owned because they had rivers on them so they could apply for microhydro um, at the time when the, uh, the microhydro uh, kind of feed-in tariffs were really good. Um, wow. Yeah, so... The, the National Trust clearly clearly do some some pretty cool things. Um, I've got some some friends down in Cornwall and are involved in kind of uh, rewilding into tidal zones and things like that. But at the same time, they were keen for having an ancient woodland and uh, one of the most most special places in Wales absolutely trashed. That seems unbelievably duplicitous. That like an organisation like National Trust, which seems to be like on the face of it is like preservation and looking after the environment, would also be doing. Uh, arguably like some of the worst environmental damage uh, for like non non green energy uh, that you could be doing. Yeah, I mean, if you'd like an example of what uh, what the National Trust have been up to, if you walk up the Watkin path on on Snowdon, uh, one of the more uh, popular ways up, up Snowdon from kind of the Beth Gellert side, uh, the river that you walk past there, the Cum Clan, um, you'll see uh, hydro scheme in there, and you'll see the uh, the scars of that running all the way down uh, the side of the hill as well. Wow, that is, 
I'm kind of reeling from that that an organization like National Trust, which is uh, ostensibly very similar to like uh, Parks Canada or the National Park System in the U.S., is also super down for um, for something so destructive as micro hydro. Yeah, it was pretty wild, and, and certainly at the time um, they were, you know, the arguments were were. It was pretty. It was pretty tough to argue because you're effectively arguing against what people have always described as green energy or renewable energy. Um, but rivers aren't renewable. If you stick a barrier in it, um, that river's that river's done. That river is in you know, irreversibly changed. Um, and uh, John, the uh, the guy who runs Snowdonia Society, uh, said to us at one point, "You can't rebuild nature even with a really big JCB." <laughs> yeah. I um you should get that on a t-shirt. That's uh that's that's probably the most accurate thing you could say, right? So Yeah. Um yeah, so we were yeah, we were kind of yeah, pretty pretty blown away. I learned learned a lot. I I'll be honest, I was I was super naive when the when the scheme came out or the you know, things were announced. Like I said, I, I was like, yeah, it's not gonna happen. Um and actually I can attribute my kind of whole move to activism to one guy. To this guy called Dan Hammond, um, who worked for Dulas, one of the, the firms who were kind of putting the get plans together. Um, so in kind of good old-fashioned activism style, we'd set up a petition because um, we didn't know any better. We thought, you know, petition will do it. Um, and he commented below that petition saying, oh, do you know, I think this is a really good idea and I would encourage everyone to uh, write in in support of this scheme, not signing a petition against it. Um, but LinkedIn is a wonderful thing. And it turned out he was one of the uh, one of the kind of chief guys uh, on this project. Um, and for me, that that was kind of like the turning point, if you like, in seeing um, just what a what a mess the whole the whole thing was. Um, kind of from there, um, courtesy of the Freedom of Information uh, requests, we uh, we dug up all the letters of support that had been written for the uh, for this scheme. Um, and pretty much all of them had been submitted by either family members or directly from uh, kind of senior members of RWE uh, and of Dulas, of the two firms involved in putting the, the plans that, together. That seems so shady. Is that common practice? That seems that seems like it's shady. It feels it shady. Se- it feels shady. I think I think you're allowed to do it. I think doing it from your wife's email address so that it does not, you know, Timmy at rwe.org um, is uh, yeah I would I'd say shady is probably the best word for it really um, there was certainly no upfrontness in any of the correspondence I mean the beauty of of the UK planning system is that everything is public and if you want to go and have a look at these documents you can get hold of these documents um, so we did and we went and had a good a good route through um, and then uh, I think one of the successes of our campaign was then publishing all these findings um, and kind of laying bare just what a what a shady process the whole thing was. And so that was back in 20, it was kind of 2013 to 2016. And you, you kind of started to figure out um, how to advocate for rivers, not just from like that user group of like whitewater kayakers, which is relatively speaking, a small user group, but kind of incorporating uh, the, the wider, the wider users of an area who would be affected by, um, by the destruction of our kind of natural environment. What have you done since then, since that first Save the Conway project? So I guess it was almost 
almost perfect timing or terrible timing, depending on how you're looking at it. But we were we were literally sat down having a beer, celebrating um, the uh, the plans being withdrawn, um, and that looking like you know, the the Conway was going to be remaining uh, flowing free. Um, and we took a phone call from Snowdonia Society to say, look, I know it's Friday night, I think it's Friday night, um, but uh, there's something going to be discussed in the Welsh Senate, so uh, the Welsh kind of at Welsh government level on Tuesday, uh, and they're looking to uh, change how national parks are managed um, and place less focus on conservation. Um, can you guys help? Oh, by the way, it's uh, it's pretty late on a Friday night. Um, we and uh, we're all off over the weekend. Um, so so from there, um, me and Dan, uh, a couple of beers in, knocked up um, some template letters, um, and by, I think it was by about one o'clock in the morning, there was there were template letters out encouraging people to write to their, their local government representatives in, in Welsh government, um, asking them to, to question this process on, on the Tuesday. And when we when we tuned in to then watch the watch the debate on the Tuesday, it was humbling to see how many people had answered that call, how many people had had taken the time to write to their write to their assembly member, um, and to hear hear quotes and things that we you know we'd put into template letters or you know, ideas that we'd shown people to be read out was was yeah like I say pretty humbling, um, and we kind of realised that actually mostly by luck and a bit of good judgment. We were we were you know, we were pretty good at at this, you know, and we should we should not just hang up our hats with the Conway. That you know, maybe we maybe we should carry on and and become something something bigger than just save the Conway. And that's when you move from just save the Conway to save our rivers, and, and kind of took on a, a bit slightly bigger mission. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, we've and our our mission is ever evolving, um, and and. Well, which is a polite way of saying we're making it up as we go along. Um, but um, yeah, but I think everyone is, so that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I think that's part of becoming an adult, isn't it? You realise. Yeah, that's uh, what everyone, I'm figuring out right now. Everyone's literally making it up as we go along. Um, but there've been a couple of a couple of small hydro schemes in North Wales that we've successfully stopped on the the Cunval, um and the Cligwy. Um, so that that's been pretty successful um but we've also kind of through the contacts and the friends that we've made along the way um ended up involved in kind of campaigns all all across europe um so at the moment we're we're involved in in patagonia's um viosa national park now campaign um we're also working with uh, the guys out in austria um on a kind of massive set of schemes that are, are building up across the tyrol region um, and kind of closer to home, um, we're kind of doing our best to, to help and do a bit of facilitating for, for the amazing guys at, at Save the Heart of Kendall, um, who are, are fighting a flood defence scheme um, that uh, stands to trash the River Kent. Can we talk about that Tyrol one for a minute? Because um, I bri- briefly in 2011, I worked uh, there out in, in Utz. Uh, great time, lovely place. And I understand that they have been doing some shady uh, dam building during they took advantage of the pandemic and uh, were getting after some some construction work which I think might have been illegal or was at least questionable. It's I can't call it illegal because I couldn't say for certain it was probably illegal. Um, it looks but, shady uh, from what I was picking up on. Shady. It looks shady. Can you give everyone people a rundown were, for people who are not yeah. familiar with so, the whole scheme? 
as uh, as lockdown hit um, in uh, in Utstel, the uh, construction company who'd put in these plans uh, for and I've got to make sure I get the, the timeline kind of kind of right on this one. But and for um, people listening along who don't know, we're talking about like the same area where Adidas Cycline Race used to be, just further up that valley um, yeah. from from the Cycline Course. Beautiful area, great river. Lots of epic kayaking, uh, great mountain biking, great skiing, great paragliding, great climbing, great whatever yeah. outdoor, pick an outdoor activity. You can probably do it there. Uh, really yeah. nice, friendly people, super open, uh, super friendly community uh, to live in and, and to be a part of. And yeah, kind yeah. of um, kind of shocking to see how uh, hard out they're going on this damn project. Yeah. And I think at the, at the time, there wasn't even permission to build the dam but while lockdown was on and while people were literally not allowed out of their houses uh they started building all the infrastructure to then get those dams into the river um so you know roads were going in embankments were going in all the rest of it um so that the, the moment they could uh that that work could continue um i mean we we were super lucky we had um some of the guys from pistiff productions w- were out there um and uh we we organized for a couple of their fines to be paid um after they'd done a bit of filming and things um and we were then lucky to team up with those guys um with the guys from free rivers fund uh, and wet uh tyrol who are kind of um yeah amazing superhuman people um and uh, wwf austria um and uh, yeah pulled together some some videos and some campaign um literally while everyone was was locked in their homes um you know we might have been locked up but we still had the internet and uh and we used that to our advantage and and the the fight for uh, the free flowing rivers in austria goes on um construction started on that one um but but the campaign is far bigger far re- far more reaching than that um you know and we're we're honored that to have a seat at that table to have uh you know, organizations like Wet Tyrol and, and WWF getting in touch and, and saying, you know, we need your help. And uh, yeah, like I say, humbling. It's it's awesome that there's an organization that, that you and Dan are kind of uh, spearheading here uh, to give people more of a, a route. I think something that I feel quite often, uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure lots of people share this feeling, um, when you hear about a new hydro project or something coming up on a river you really enjoy, it's just like, I don't know what to do. Like, I know I don't want this, but I don't know what to do about it. And I don't know what steps to take. And I I don't know how to proceed. And, you know, things like template letters and writing to your, you know, whoever your representative is and ha- having an organization that can say, these are the steps that you can take right now to, to do something about this is so important and so valuable, I think, for, for people like me who are just like a bit a bit helpless, you know, a bit, or yeah. just feeling a bit helpless, if you know what I mean. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's it's super easy to feel helpless, and the process is designed to to be difficult to get into. You know, the UK planning system uh, looks really complicated, and their websites are out of date and antiquated, and that sort of thing. So I think um, between me and Dan, we kind of we make make a pretty solid team. Dan absolutely loves listening to electronic dance music really late at night, six coffees and four beers in reading complicated planning documents um and then my kind of flair on things comes on then getting that message across helping people communicate um 
a what what the ideas are what what plans have been put in place and then how they can kind of get that message out there get that, and and get their get their voice heard um particularly in, in the uk we're we're lucky that we we do have a you know a legal legal planning system and a pretty pretty public planning system um but it's it's not always used um and the rules that are written written for it aren't always aren't always followed um but if we can find ways of of kind of holding those who set them to account and, and making sure that that they are followed um kind of that's that's where we've had our successes really um but i mean one of the one of the things that we've been been playing around with and it was um it's been pretty successful a, a couple of times is taking kind of plans from planning applications and then overlaying them onto drone photos um so you can actually see what the real impact of this is rather than a sort of black and white line drawing you've got a photo of this place that you love and you've got these plans slapped across it i, yeah, I was i was actually more... i was on your guys website earlier today and i was uh looking at the is it there was that kent uh flood flood uh what was yeah. the other one you mentioned there oh uh, so the uh save the heart of kendall yeah heart, so the heart uh, of kendall yeah so that's that's yeah. like to, to see a drone overlay photo with the 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 lines on it of like, oh, this is all that's going to be affected. It's um, it's pretty incredible. What's happening there? Can you give us a rundown on that one? That like seeing the seeing the drone photo with the overlay, I was like, how is anyone signing off on this? So the uh, the Save the Heart of Kendall scheme is enormous. Uh, it's messy um, for sure. There's there's a lot of things going on. Um, and we were me and Dan were were really honoured a couple of years ago uh, to go for a few beers with uh, with the kind of the guys behind that um who kind of needed a bit of help getting getting things going um so uh kendall is a uh, kind of the last town you get to on your way into the lake district so it's kind of gateway gateway to the southern lakes if you like um in uh, in england um and it has a river the river kent um which as well as having some some you know, pretty good kayaking not as good as the ogwin but pretty good kayaking um just downstream of it um it also flows right through the heart of town it is literally the heart of kendall um and uh back in uh, a few years ago there were some some enormous floods um which which caused some serious damage and some you know some uh some serious problems for for kendall um and in a uh, kind of slightly knee-jerk response to that um the environment agency have, have put together a kind of three-phase plan for um for how how kendall can be protected um which is essentially stages one and two are build really big ugly concrete walls in the hope that the river won't top over them um and then stage three is to stick a six meter high dam which is i think the the image you saw on on our website a six that uh, six meter high dam just at the the kind of northern end of kendall uh flood a load of fields and essentially put uh, something that looks a little bit like hurley weir um in the middle of that um you know, to in a, in a sort of attempt to to slow down the uh the flow of, of the kent what actually what, what seemed to have happened in the in the, the kind of big floods um the storm desmond a few years ago was actually uh the groundwater flowing before it even got to the river was what caused most of the flooding and that um, a big dam on the river and big walls are not going to offer the protection that uh, the Environment Agency have sort of alluded to. They have been, they have been caught saying that it won't offer the protection um, from from events like storm kind of storm Desmond scale events. Um, 
yeah, so it's a it's a real mess. But uh, Save the Heart of Kendall has been a been a been a great group. Um, we've got guys there campaigning for a kind of natural flood management. We've got people uh, on there campaigning to uh, prevent the loss of the, the riverside trees. So as part of of building the wall around kind of 500 trees um, were due to be felled um, and that number's been roughly halved off the top of my head um, and, and that fight goes on um, so I would imagine some of your your listeners are going to come to uh, Kendall Mountain Festival in a couple of months time um, come and uh, come and find us kind of on the Patagonia and Jewelstone stands um, and uh, yeah there'll be some more information and things there about hopefully some some fight some more things we can do yeah, I mean, you, you guys are putting in some hard work and definitely big, big ups to you guys. Let's talk a little bit about the future and just some some speculative guessing on the future, because I'd love to hear what you've got to say about this. But obviously, climate change is pretty is real deal. Um, increasing storms like these big level storms seem to be happening more and more often. How do you think that's going to impact uh, like the work you're doing and what do you forecast uh, like government agencies, environment agencies, etc.? doing things like that save the kendall uh save the heart of the kendall project um and these kind of like knee jerk do you think we're going to see more of these knee jerk schemes what kind of thing should people be on the lookout for uh, in their local area um that are that sound like they're good on the face of it but actually are not going to be because on the face of it that the one we just talked about sounded like oh yeah great we'll build a big wall and that's going to keep the water out but when you break it down it's like actually the problem's not that the you know, the, it's going to overflow this wall. It's that the groundwater is moving to the river faster than a wall could block it. Um, yeah. what, 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 what do you kind of? I know we're speculative here, but just you know, for entertainment purposes, what do you, what I do guess. you expect we're going to see? What should people be on the lookout for? And what can they do if they see something like that come up in their area? So I guess I, I read a quote just just before we started. Actually, um, I think it's from the the Lorax um, about the, the kind of pace of change. Um, and it was to do with the, the wildfire, wildfires in America, um, which was we didn't used to have wildfire season. We used to have autumn. Um, and it's that kind of slow change where people think, oh, no, it is normal for everything to be on fire for a month. Um, and it totally isn't. I think as as kayakers, as people who love the outdoors, we are the ones who are best connected to to that local those local areas, to those places where we choose to play. And if we're choosing to play there, we've got to protect them. And I think by being in those places, you start to recognise those changes. I mean, the first time that we knew that uh, knew that the Conway had a had a plan on it was because uh, some some of the paddlers bumped into one of the engineers who was was making some measurements. Um, so I think from from that point of view, you've got to get real. If you're uh, if you play somewhere, you've got to protect it. You've got to be fighting for it. Um, and you need to know, know your local area. And then from there, I think it's just a case of getting connected. There's so many amazing organisations. There's ourselves, Free Rivers Fund, Wet Tyrol. Wherever you are, there will be an organisation fighting for whatever wild place um, you're after. Um, and from there, just in, engage with those guys, ask for help, um, ask for support, and just find out everything you can. Get hold of every document you can and start reading. Um, and it's not glamorous. Um, it is pretty boring. It's pretty hard work. Um, I'd recommend some strong coffee. Um, but you've got to start engaging in, in the planning process. And 
we have a legal voice. We have a, have a voice to object to these things. Um, and done right, it's pretty powerful. Um, done wrong, you might as well be screaming into a bin. Um, so it's a kind of a case of, of finding, finding an organization who can help you with your wild place and then engaging in, in the legal process. Uh, John, who came out with the amazing quote before, told us when we were objecting to the, the Conway scheme, if you're chaining yourself to a digger, you're five years too late. What uh, What's your hot take on countries where the due process is not as due? Um, I don't know. I guess we're. I'm super lucky uh, in that it's, I'm pretty unlikely to uh, to get pepper sprayed uh, sat behind the computer putting putting uh, drone images together. I think in countries where where the process is more more um, uh, questionable, should we say? Um, I think there are still things to be done. Um, and certainly, uh, the say the Blue Heart campaign that, that Patagonia ran. Um, a lot of that was involved in, in campaigning um, to encourage um, kind of banks and things to not be investing in these schemes in the first place. Um, and kind of if that funding dries up, um, then the schemes dry up. Yeah, right on. That's um, that's something that I wonder about sometimes because a few a few rivers I've done uh, overseas that are have had shady hydro projects go in or go in very quickly. And uh, it just makes me sad. I wonder if you had a, a hot take on that, but it's it would be encouraging if more big, you know, kind of heavy hitter companies like Patagonia could, uh, you know, leverage leverage those banks and and uh, put some pressure on them to say, "Come on, man, you don't need to, you don't need to be yes. putting your money into this." It's super tricky. I think if you if you've if you've got an enormous hydro project and you're pouring a million tons of concrete or 1.2 million tons of concrete, no one's going to know the difference, and that. 0.2 million tons worth of concrete worth of money can just disappear into back pockets and, and things like that. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, it's super tricky. I'm, I'm certainly not going to be uh, fl- flying out, uh, flying out to Peru with my otter costume just yet to chain myself to a digger, unfortunately. Um, Tom, I'm, I'm pretty stoked on, uh, on hearing about all the work you guys are doing. Where can people keep up with the Save Our Rivers crew on what they're doing and um, and get, kind of get involved if, if they're on a project in, in that area? Um, so the best places are just going to be saveourrivers.org, um, which where you can find out and kind of look back through all the stuff we've done, see the campaigns that are ongoing at the moment, um, or through Instagram, we're at Save Our Rivers, uh, or on Facebook, we are Save Our Rivers as well. And hypothetically speaking, if I was a member of a community in an area where Save Our Rivers was not currently operating, what would I have to Google search to find the local equivalent of Save Our Rivers for my area? It's pretty tricky, um, but um, one of the best things you could do is head over to the Patagonia website, find uh, something called Patagonia Action Works, and all of the groups that have been uh, been funded by Patagonia are listed there. You can you can search by uh, by venue, um, or you can search by the kind of thing you'd like to protect. Um, so that's a pretty powerful resource that's kind of growing and growing at the moment. Um, and kind of beyond that, I think just in, engage with engage with any any user groups. Um, and if there isn't a group, maybe now's the time to set one up. Yeah, right on, man. I mean, be the be the change you want to see in the world. Um, Tom, thanks for coming on. Do you have any final thoughts before we close this out? No, I think everyone just needs to get out there um, and go and enjoy these amazing wild places that the world has given us 
And if you're going to play in them, you need to protect them. I will second that. This has been Tom Laws and Seth Ashworth on Questions You Ever Thought to Ask, the Whitewater Kayaking Podcast, and I will speak to you in a future episode. Peace.